beginning in verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by some means, now at last, I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles. I am a debtor, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and the birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge... 
God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. And he's not done. (laughs) For the next couple chapters, he lays out the indictment. He lays out the indictment. Romans chapters 1 through 8 really remind me of a courtroom setting. You've got the accused. You've got the defense attorney. You've got the prosecutor. And the prosecutor stands up and he lays out the indictment. He lays out the accusation. He lays it out, and that is exactly what the apostle is doing, is he is telling the truth about the fallen human race who not only experienced the fall, we not only experienced the effect of Adam's choice in the garden, Eve's choice in the garden, but we readily embrace it. Left to ourselves, this is what we all are. Left to ourselves, we, we, run, to, we run to the curse. <sighs> this is what we are, left to ourselves. Thank you, God. What Lucifer did not expect when he engineered the fall of man in the garden, he's going, Lucifer was about to get an education. Serpent fellow, I'm going to call forth a seed from the woman. He is going to bruise your head. That's a killing blow to a serpent. You're going to bruise his heel. That's a debilitating blow, but it's not typically lethal. He is going to bruise your head. You're going to bruise his heel. What is Lucifer about to find out? The God whom he thought he had a perfect, complete understanding of is going to disclose to him and all of the rest of the angelic hosts, both elect and fallen, that the God who is the creator God who created them is also a God of mercy, love, kindness, That's what Paul, but Paul is laying out the indictment. But before, in the introductory portion of this, before he gets into the indictment, what does he tell us? I have sought to come to Rome over and over and over again so that I might speak to you. We, as we mentioned last week, on the day of Pentecost, in the book of Acts, it says, it names a whole lot of places of origin. The worshipers who had come to that day of Pentecost there, it specifically says there were people there from Rome, both Jews and Gentiles. 
He is writing to the church at Rome in the capital of the empire, which is the place that all traffic, you go in and out of Rome. Rome is the place for movement throughout the empire. And God had people there from Rome, both Jews and Gentiles. They heard the gospel truth. God the Holy Spirit was poured out on them, and they spoke about the mighty works of God in the languages of the places they had come from. And then they went back to their places of origin. And we don't know if the Roman church is one congregation or a dozen congregations. It's the church in Rome. Now, we're doing Romans the hard way. (laughs) When Paul sent this letter, they just stood in front of the congregation or congregations and just read the whole thing from start to finish. (laughs) We're doing it the hard way. (laughs) We're going to be going slowly, 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 slowly. And Paul lays out, he lays out the the indictment, takes a while to lay it out. But how has he begun? He has begun by talking about the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. I have wished to be with you so that I could speak encouraging truth to you, and you could speak encouraging truth back to me. He is writing to redeemed people who have their own testimonies of God's redemptive work. Many of them were in the kingdom long before he was, and they have their own testimonies. They can encourage him with their testimony is of faith and how God has made use of them, as well as him being speaking words of encouragement and truth to them. Notice again, chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world, the whole Roman Mediterranean world. There are testimonies as people have gone from one city to another city, and there's all, I mean, the Mediterranean world, it was, there was a lot of shipping. There was a lot of movement. That was why it was a prosperous place. Your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. We hear testimonies of what God is doing among you. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. You are on my prayer list, and I am constantly bowing before the Father, asking for more mercy, grace, use of you by our God. You are on my prayer list making request if by some means that now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. Lord, please bring me to that place. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. I want to be able to share truth with you that God has granted to me to build you up in the most holy faith. I'm asking God to do that so that I might have that opportunity, that is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you. It isn't going to be a one-way street. It isn't just going to be me building you up. You're going to be doing that back to me. 
That is one of the reasons I love our Friday night meeting where we're sitting, we're all sitting around and we're sharing Bible truth with one another, but also testimony about how God is opening doors for witness with various people. And that, and if, hey, if, if God can use Stephen that way, if he can use Javier that way, if he can use, maybe he can use me that way. Maybe I need to beat feet <laughs> and step with the Holy Spirit also. So Paul is not only looking to encourage them, but to be encouraged by them. I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts so that you may be established, that your foundation might be strengthened. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often plan to come to you. It's always been on my to-do list to come to Rome but was hindered until now. God always pushed me in a different direction that I might have some fruit among you also. By the way, what do we know about Paul's experience? It's going to be two or three or four years before he gets there. He's going to go to back to Jerusalem. He's going to get arrested. He's going to, be tra- after a couple of years of incarceration, there in the Middle East, he's going to be sent by a Roman expense to Rome, and he's going to sit there. This is where he is at the close of the book of Acts. He's under house arrest for a couple of years with the Praetorian Guard taking turns coming to him and having their ears filled with the gospel. <laughs> but I've wanted to come to you. I've wanted God was had his plan. Paul's plan wasn't God's plan. But God's plan was better. And God's plan, by by walking in step with God's plan, Paul would bear fruit that will blow his mind. God is going to open a door for the Apostle Paul to the most hard-to-reach people, literally, physically hardest-to-reach people in the Roman Empire. You don't just go knocking on some wealthy, powerful guy's door and expect him to let you in, no. But how about if I, God, send him to be chained to you, Paul, for a few hours every day? (laughs) And the sons of the wealthy and powerful have to take turns sitting with you for two full years. And what does Paul say in Philippians, the close of his letter to the Philippians, which he wrote while under house arrest? Uh, The members of Caesar's household send you Philippians greetings. (laughs) I wanted to come to you and share with you. I'm a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise. I am the apostle to the Gentiles, both the Greeks, which is a synonym for saying the wisdom people the people of the classic philosophies. It's amazing. This is exactly what God says in Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. In this dream, he has this uh, uh, vision of a statue with a head of gold, arms and chest of silver, belly and thighs of brass or bronze, legs of iron, and the feet a mixture of iron and ceramic material put together, strong but brittle, and every t- the head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. Babylon is the head of gold. You go down the statue, and the metals get stronger, but the value gets less. 
the Persians conquered the Babylonians, and after they had done so, oh, wait, these people are actually higher civilization than we were. When Alexander the Great conquered the Greeks, which is the bronze, when he conquered the, the silver Persians, oh, they're more advanced than we are. He actually had all of his officers divorce, divorce their Greek wives and marry Persian women because they were a more advanced culture. But, of course, he had just conquered the Persians, so he's stronger. And then when the Romans conquered the Greeks, oh, these people are more culturally advanced than we are. We're stronger. but they're, And so they always elevated the, <laughs> the people they had just conquered well, the Greeks were the people, and people traveled the Roman Empire reciting Greek philosophy. It was amazing. Augustine, we called St. Augustine. That's how he made a living for a long time. He was one of those guys till he came to faith in Jesus Christ. The Greeks, those Gentiles who are philosophically oriented, the Greeks, the highs, and also the barbarians, <laughs> the people that aren't that high culture group. I am a, an apostle a, to reach all of them, all of them. Greeks and barbarians, both wise and unwise. And I think there's a great deal of sarcasm dripping <laughs> from, the, from that passage. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In the Roman world, they elevated Greek philosophy. And Paul is saying, okay, forget the foolishness. I'm going to present authentic wisdom to you. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, to authentic deliverance for everyone who believes, whether you are, you have got the Greek mindset or the barbarian mindset or the Jewish mindset, it doesn't matter. You need to have your mind reset by God, the Holy Spirit. It's gospel truth that matters. For it is... I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the message about what Jesus of Nazareth accomplished for the human race on the cross. I'm not ashamed of that. Why? Because it's true, it works. You want to move from a place of condemnation before the true and living God, the holy God, to a place of unrestrained welcome? That's called good news. And what Jesus accomplished on the cross accomplishes that change from condemnation to glad welcome, to acceptance. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. We just prayed for Ruth a few minutes ago. Why? Because she has been seeking, gone, gone to this doctor, gone to that doctor, this technique, that technique, looking for what works best, not only for her, but for Arnie and for Tom ha Lord, because there are some techniques, some approaches that work, and some that don't. The gospel works for everyone. It is the miracle cure. Taking us from the place of condemnation to a place of glad welcome with the holy God. 
with the holy God. Folks, that's not just a cure. That's a resurrection. That is a resurrection. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, true deliverance for everyone who believes, whether you're a Greek, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a barbarian, for everyone, all we are asked for is faith. That's all God, our responsibility is. He offers us redemption. He offers us forgiveness. And there's a fellow here standing here, and it's still my favorite story. What do we do? What do we do? And I said to that man, what do you do if somebody offers you a gift? And this fellow standing back there in the blue shirt, DJ said, you hold out an empty hand. I said, that's what you do. Ladies and gentlemen, that is our sole role. And then God puts the cure. He puts the redemption in our empty hand. We All we have to do is have enough. How clean does your hand have to be to hold it? You just hold out the empty hand. You just exercise the faith to say, may, may I please have that benefit? And God says 100% of the time, yes, 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 yes. Because in fact, he incited you to ask. He incites the entire process. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the salvation, the deliverance for everyone who believes, simply exercises that simple faith of holding out an empty hand. For the Jew first and also for the Greek, no matter your ethnic background, the same terms. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. The issue becomes... In the garden, again, when Satan engineered the fall of man, he believes he has created an unsolvable problem. Adam and Eve and all of their descendants are going to stand guilty before the holy God. And God says, I can solve that problem. And he sends, he comes, God the Son becomes flesh. He becomes fully human. As it says in the Nicene Creed, True God of true God, true man of true man, joined together in one person. He has to be fully God and fully man in order to accomplish the task he accomplishes on the cross. He's going to bear the sin's penalty for the human race. All the lake of fire due to the human race for an eternity is poured out on him. And then he says, pay it in full. It is finished. He's paid off the sin debt, but I don't get the benefit unless I ask for the benefit, which he incites me down the road to do. But it's all him. He has solved the problem. For in it, the gospel message, the righteousness of God is, how can a holy God forgive me a sinner without violating his holiness? Answer, my son paid sin's penalty for you. He took all the judgment you deserve on the cross, thus freeing me, God the Father, to fully, completely, gladly, freely forgive you. For in it, the gospel message, the righteousness of God is revealed. He's not violating his righteousness, his holiness, and forgiving. 
from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. What is this from faith to faith? I've got eight commentaries on Romans. <laughs> there, uh, All the commentators are like, we're not quite sure what Paul is driving at. From faith to faith, I think it's quite as simple as what he said in the previous context. I want to encourage you with my faith experience as you will encourage me with your... How is it that people are brought into the kingdom? someone who has welcomed that gospel truth by faith tells of their experience to someone else, and God the Holy Spirit incites faith in that person from faith to faith, from believer to believer, in the same way that as believers we, we encourage one another. So also, when we are brought into the kingdom, we hear that word of truth and encouragement from someone else, and God the Holy Spirit is giving us understanding, and we likewise, from faith to faith, for the just shall live by faith. What is my contribution that steps me into the kingdom and is the same process by which I walk into the kingdom. I've got one role, faith. I believe what God has said. My initial belief is belief in the gospel truth that Jesus paid sin penalty for me. But folks, this book is filled with a whole lot more promises than that. And I walk by faith in the promise of redemption and the promise of his presence and the promise of his power and the promise of his incessant focus on me. As, Paul, as Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, he, God, has given to us his precious and magnificent promises that by these we might become partakers of the divine nature. As we walk in the simple technique of believing his promises, we come to our own surprise. We start resembling Jesus who walked by faith. Jesus isn't calling us to do anything that he hasn't already done. Jesus, God the Son, became flesh, but he also walked in the promises. He had the Hebrew Scriptures promises that he would pay sin's penalty, for, but he would also be yanked out of the tomb. He trusted his Father to keep his promises to him, and we are to walk in imitation of that. The same pattern by which he walked, we are to walk. Faith, 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 trust, 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 belief, belief, belief. It's all the same word in the, in the Greek text. <laughs> For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from believer to believer as we speak to one another, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It's what brings us into the position of being just before the holy God, it's also the technique by which we walk with that holy God. For the wrath of God is revealed. Oh, we need it. We need it. We need God's deliverance. We need his provision because left to ourselves, there is no hope. 
None. No hope. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Paul is living in a very debauched culture. So do we. But what he's going to lay out and what we've already read from this passage is a the immorality that was rampant and right out there for everybody to see in the Roman Greek world is also becoming more and more and more evident and obvious in our own culture. And the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. God justly, justly judges. Our God can be forgiving He can forgive us, he can be merciful, or he can be just. He cannot be unjust. And I know I've shared this testimony with you before, but I'm going to do it again. Repetition is the price of learning. I can remember as a teenager reading those last three verses of Isaiah. That's easy to remember, the last three verses of Isaiah. It describes our experience in the the eternal kingdom. We, the redeemed ones, will be going in and out of the new Jerusalem, worshiping. The very last verse of Isaiah says, and we will walk by the lake of fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched, looking on the carcasses of the people experiencing the eternal reality of the lake of fire. And I can remember my response was, yuck! Who would want to do that? Ah! What I did not understand now, and I've come to grasp better since, but not as completely as I will then, (laughs) our God is not unjust. It will not bother us when that happens because we will be looking at them and our response will not be offense. Our response will be, Lord, thank you for your mercy because that's what I rightly deserved. And you poured that out on your son and handed me the benefit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It will not offend us because we will see things fully as God sees them. We will be seeing everything through his eyes when we step into that kingdom. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And we look at these former civilizations that were deep into this debauchery, and God judged them, and God judged them, and God judged them. And in our own nation, we are deep in the same thing. Will we deserve the judgment that is coming? Yes, we will as a nation. That's why our prayer earlier was, Lord, redeem Lord, pour out a spirit of repentance on this place. One of the most shocking passages in the Scripture, and again, I'm repeating, Zechariah 12, 13, and 14. It describes a Jerusalem that is about to be annihilated, surrounded by the the armies of all these nations. And it says in Zechariah 12, thus says the Lord, I will rip open the heavens, I will come out, and they, the Jews, are in Jerusalem will look on me whom they pierced. That can only be one person. 
Jesus of Nazareth, let his blood be on us and on our children. They will look on me whom they pierced, and I will pour out on them a spirit of grace and of supplication, and they will separate themselves from mourn, chapter 13, verse 1, and I will open for them a fountain of cleansing, and one-third of them will repent. He's about to save them from total annihilation, and one-third of them, not all of them, one-third of them will repent. How hard is the human heart, apart from God's enabling us to repent? It is dead. It is a heart of stone. It is a heart of stone unless God gives, as he says in the Hebrews, he will replace the heart of stone with the heart of flesh, with a heart responsive to him. And it's an act of God. And folks, that is an encouragement to us. God loves us more than we love ourselves. They will look on me whom they pierce, the one here's there to deliver them, and they will not allow me to deliver them? Do they hate themselves? Yes. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. If somebody tells you, oh, I'm an atheist, ah, get out of here. You're lying. You're lying. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. It's not an intellectual problem. A simple leaf is proof enough of the Creator God. And we've got a whole lot more than one leaf to look at. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest. It's obvious. It's right there in front of them. It's manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. Nobody is ever going to be able to stand before the, the judgment seat of, of our Lord and say, well, I didn't know. That ain't going to happen. No, you knew, you knew, you knew. For what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Look at his creation, look at his creation, look at his creation. It's proof there's a creator. It's proof there's a creator. His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power, a God of unrestrained power, immeasurable power, and Godhead. There is a supreme creator. So that they, those who reject this, are without excuse, without excuse, being because although they knew God, although they knew God, they knew what was true. They did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful. Who's the one that gives you every breath? I just saw this thing a couple days ago on the internet of a man. I'm trying to remember where it was in Egypt or somewhere. 
and the man was destitute. He's on his, he is, has no water, and somebody gives him water to drink. He takes a little drink. He's been very, very thirsty, and then he starts to weep. He starts crying, and, crying. and the person who gave him the water, why are you crying? This is an old man. He said, I just realized but God has been giving me water all my life, and I never thanked him. And he is mourning over his own lack of thankfulness. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You know what? I honestly believe when we get to heaven, we're going to find out there was a jester class of angels. <laughs> and the biggest part of their material is the stupidity, the nonsense happening here on planet Earth, that there actually is a jester, yes, and the it does say in the scripture, he who sits in the heavens laughs. <laughs> he, God, holds them in derision. Is it too much to believe that he's got a jester class of angels that are there for, I don't think that's too much of a stretch. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And here he's talking about their own culture, the Roman culture, the Greek culture. They have all of these temples and all of the major cities and towns. They've got temples. They've got idols, both male and female idols. They've got male and female temple prostitutes. They've got all this nonsense. They turn the glory of the incorruptible God into all this corruptible, wicked nonsense. They became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And there were images of that looked like people and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things, snakes and lizards and all kinds of nonsense. They're worshiping them. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. He gave them what they wanted. The worst curse God can put on a human being, a fallen human being, is let us have what we asked for. Because it never, never, never works out the way we stupidly think it will. It always blows up in our faces. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie. Hey, what does Lucifer say? Come and worship me. Come and worship me. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. God offers us the opportunity, the Creator God offers us the opportunity to come and worship Him. That is a privilege. 
that he will welcome our worship. The holy God will. And the human race says, no thanks. I would rather worship these corruptible creatures that are going to die and decay just like me. Folks, that's just plain insane stupid. But that's the choice the human race makes because we want to worship ourselves. We want to wor- anything but worship the true and living God who is the holy God. That's how rebellious the human heart is left to itself. They exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, we're going to call a halt here as far as the exposition, but we are going to continue to speak about our Lord's love and mercy as we turn now to the Lord's table.